One of the things I realized uh, as I grow older and hopefully a little wiser, I realized that nothing happens randomly. I mean, especially in life and, you know, nothing happens randomly because you realize, and I realize more and more, I mean, I know it for a fact, I know it for the truth, it's something I live my life by every day, that God is in control. Not just of my life, but He's in control of everything around us, all of creation is under His control. And I realize more and more that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And everything that happens in our lives is not just a waste. There's a reason for everything. I know it's so vague and I know it's a cliche. But there is a reason for you being who you are. Why are you alive today? There's a reason God has placed you, called you. To the place where you are right now. There is a reason God has put the people in your life that you hang out with right now. There is a reason for that. There's a reason for what you are going through right now as well. Nothing happens randomly. Nothing happens by chance. And, and, and uh, because we believe God is in control. God is in control and God watches, God watches over our lives, church. He watches over our life. He doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep, he watches over our steps. And that gives me, I mean, that is the greatest hope that I have, the biggest assurance I have, the reason that I can rest at night is because I know my God is in control. He is in control. And the thing that always gets me is uh, what challenges me and I'm reminded of it time and time again that when God calls us or God has a calling on our lives he will accomplish that purpose in our lives he will accomplish that purpose in our lives because he fulfills what he promises and you see this time and time again through the Bible when he starts something he's faithful to finish finish it he delivers on His promise. I mean, that's why it's so important to read the Bible because you see examples of that time and time again. Joseph, he had a dream. He had a promise. It took years. He had to go through the experience of being thrown in a pit, sold as a slave. I mean, he was a prisoner accused of raping his master's wife. And he goes through so much, but God didn't forget His promise that He had given him and fulfills it in Joseph's life. Think about David. David, God gave him a promise to be king, but he goes back to watching sheep. He had to go fight Goliath. He had to run for his life, live in caves, go through the ups and downs. But God fulfilled his promise and David became king. And even when it's our own fault, God still fulfills his promise in our life. I mean, God maintains his promise to Israel. I mean, think about it. They come out of Egypt, God promises them, hey, I give you this promised land, but they doubt God. Their fear uh, takes a hold of their lives. They have to wander 40 years. But God fulfills His promise. I mean, think about the prodigal son, Luke 15. God restores him. 
to sonship. Think about Peter. God called him to be a fisher of men, but he wanted to usher in the kingdom of God his way, right? Three times he denies Jesus too. But then God tells him, hey, feed my sheep. He restores that. Because what he begins, he will finish. God forgives. God restores the calling he has placed on our lives because God is the God of second chances. And we see this time and time again. And that's what we're going through today in Jonah's life. And Jonah's, if you want to call it a second choice, second chance. The prophet, I mean, I always marvel at how he writes about not just the good things he did, but about the dumb decisions he made too. He was humble enough to write it out for us. I mean, he made a wrong choice. He ran away from what God's call on his life was, went the exact opposite dis- the direction. But we know finally he kind of, he gets it right in the end. God still uses him to bring salvation to the Ninevites. And that's what we're talking about this morning. God restoring the call that he placed on Jonah's life because God is the God of second chances. Not just second church, third, fourth, fifth. We know the story of Jonah. We're familiar with the story and I've preached on this, I don't know how many times through my life. But chapter 1, we realize what chapter 1 is about. It's, he hears God's call and what does he do? He runs the total opposite direction, basically running away from God and his call. And that's never a good idea. We, we know that part. It's never a good idea because it always causes problems, if I can say that. And, and the truth is it affects those around us as well. It wasn't just Jonah was affected. It was everybody else that was in that storm with him. But then we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, about his prayer. Yes, in, in chapter 2, he repents and returns to God and, you know, his mission. And, of course, this large fish that there is and, you know, he's taken to the bottom of the ocean or whatever. But he has his come to God moment again. And then, of course, in chapter 3, we see the God, uh, that fish that spits him out, basically. And so that's what chapter 3 is all about. It's about, it's a short chapter. It has just 10 verses. But it talks about Jonah getting, getting back on track and doing what God had called him to do. Living in obedience finally to what God has called him to do. And I, I love this chapter because it reminds us how God never gives up on us. God never gives up on us. Even when we mess things up, even when we walk our own way, even when we go in a totally opposite direction from what God wants us to do, He still never gives up to us. All we really need to do is cry out to Him and He answers and gives us that second chance we need. I think one of the things that always challenges me and I challenge people is because I've come across people who've sat with me and told me that they're too damaged for God to ever use them and that's just a lie of the enemy. That's just the lie the devil wants us to believe because that's not the kind of Bible, uh, that's not the kind of God I find in the Bible at all. God is never the one that kicks kicks us out, you know, kicks me out to the curb because I'm just way too messed up for God to use me anymore. That never happens. Anyway, turn with me to chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse. Just go through this. Then the word of the Lord. Sorry, the word. I'm reading from the NIV today. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. 
a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going, uh, by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning Listen, warning reached the king of Nineveh. He rose from his throne, took off his robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in dust. And then, of course, you see the rest. And then verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God's grace was upon the Ninevites, but he was also extremely gracious to Jonah himself. Jonah wasn't any better than the Ninevites. I think we sometimes fool ourselves in thinking we're better than the rest of them. But God delights, we need to realize this, God delights in showing grace and showing mercy. Again, think about it. Jacob, he deceived his father and his brother out of his, out of his inheritance. Did God use Jacob? Yes, he did. He still did. Moses, he murdered a man, wanted to do it his own way. God gave him a second chance. Rahab, she was a prostitute. God used her, and of course, she comes in the line of Jesus too. Samson, he did whatever he wanted to do, but God gave him a second chance. We talked about Peter. Talk about Zacchaeus. I mean, the time and time again, as you read the word of God, you find people who God never quits on them, but God renews and restores them to the call he placed on their life. Church, on this side of eternity, there is always hope. Because God delights in giving us second chances. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He is faithful in showing us grace and in mercy. Few things I just want to point out through. When Jonah got his second chance, what did he do? And a few things that I want to look at. When we get and when God gives us another chance, we need to develop an attitude of gratitude and learn to live our lives with a sense of thanksgiving. Because we're grateful for what God is doing in our lives. We develop a habit of thanksgiving. We need to develop a habit of thanksgiving. I mean, thank you, God. I'm, I'm alive and I'm breathing. Thank you, God. Every moment in my life is just because of your grace and your mercy, and I'm grateful for that. Mercies are new every morning. Thank you, God. We need to have this deep sense of gratitude because every day is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. Everything I have is a gift from God. Please, and I say this all the time, don't ever get into the mindset, I worked hard for this. Who gave you the ability to work? 
the freedom to work, the strength to work, the mind to work. You got to realize and come to that understanding that everything you have is a gift from God. It's all because of His grace. It's not something, and that grace is not something I can work for and it's never something I can earn. When God gives us a second chance, we need to start with a profound, live our lives with this profound sense of gratitude for His goodness and His grace. And the honest truth is, every day you work, wake up, is because God has given you a second chance. Unless you're one of those people, you know, I didn't sin yesterday, so I deserve to be alive today. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was talking to someone who told me his teacher used to come and brag to him how he didn't sin, you know, this past week. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But realize every single day we get up is because he gives us a second chance. When Jonah was in the belly of the whale, we talked about his prayer, you know, and his gratitude. And, I, you know, I promise you, his thanksgiving didn't stop when he got out of the whale. He lived a life, and we ought to live a life and develop a sense and a deep, profound sense of thanksgiving in our hearts. When you're at the bottom of that pit, sing his prayers. When you get out of the pit, still give him thanks for that church. Second kind of flows from the first. And he gives me a second chance and need to develop an attitude of gratitude, but I also need to live my life generously. Live with generosity. My generosity really is an outward, uh, outward gesture of my heart of thanksgiving. It really is. It works itself out that way. Gratitude works itself out into generosity. Gen, I say this, generosity is the evidence of a heart of thanksgiving. It's the evidence of a heart of thanksgiving, and I'm convinced about this, because I, I mean, you see this all the time. Grateful people, you find, are generous people. Grateful people are generous people. Because I realize everything I have is from God. Why do I have to hold on to things? I realize every single thing I have is from God. So I'm willing to give it back to Him. I'm willing to give it back to Him. I came across this while I was preparing for the sermon. He says, you have to realize that whatever you own is actually a loan from God. It's true. It's honor Him. I mean, again, I'm not talking about tithes and money, but I always say, be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. Yes, be generous with your treasure. Develop an attitude of gratitude, but it also needs to show. One of the ways it shows is in our generosity. I give because I'm grateful for what God has done in my life. I give because I'm grateful for Him working in my life. I give because He has given me a second chance. Number three. Determine in your heart to obey what God says. Determine in your heart to obey what God says. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3, the first few verses, you see that Jonah, verse 3, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. He obeyed the word of the Lord. Most of the time, I mean, the first time he kind of blew it, 
but he gets it right the second time. He obeyed the word of God and he went to Nineveh. Most of the time when we blow it the first time, it's because we don't really listen and obey what he says. And sometimes we end up in that belly of the whale and God gets our attention that way and he rescues us and he gives us a second chance. But now what do we do with the second chance is to determine to be obedient. Because I realize I've blown it, but because of his grace and his mercy and because of his love for me, he rescued me. And now I am determined to obey him. Obey what he has to say. Determined to follow him and obey him. The whole idea here is now I realign. Once again, I realign my priorities. God is number one. That's the point. When I'm talking about obedience, I'm talking about realigning our, pro- our priorities and making Christ the center of it all. Amen. I ask myself, what is the most important thing in my life right now? It has to be God and His kingdom. It has to be God and His kingdom. And after I've been given the second chance, church, after you've been given a second chance, it's not for you to go do whatever you were doing before. We all have this come to Jesus moment and then you go back and do whatever you want to do again. It's not about living life like that. Almost like you can't, it's not time to be selfish again. You can't, I don't know, it just challenges me. It's not time to live the way I want to live my life. It's time to reprioritize and make Christ the center of everything I do. Put Him in the center. Put Him in the highest place in my life. It has to be about God and His kingdom. That's the focus. If I'm alive, I can't live my life selfishly anymore. I have to live my life for something greater than me. And the greater purpose is living for God. That's the point. He gives us a second chance so that we will live for Him. Live for Him. He's given me a second chance so I can pursue the calling He has placed on my life. The mission. That's my priority. God has shown us all grace. God has shown us all mercy. He has forgiven us. He's also forgotten a lot of the dumb stuff that I have done. But now I've determined to walk in obedience to Him. That's my priority. Make obedience your top priority. Will you live a perfect life? No, it's not going to happen. But I pursue a right relationship with Him. Just being honest, you still will have the struggles. There will still be doubts that will come into your mind. Yes, you may slip, you may fail, but that does not mean you quit pursuing after God you still pursue after him the same command if you look at it Jonah 1 was the same command Jonah 3 is the same command the difference is this the first time he ran away the second time he obeyed that's what we got to do with second chances be determined to obey what God tells us to do be determined to obey what God says what has God called you to church what has God called you to Whenever I read this and I learned this long time back and heard this long time back, because sometimes we have this tendency when we've been through so much, we want God to change the mission a little, you know? He's not going to do that. God's call upon your life will never change. God's call on our lives 
will not change no matter what we've done no matter what we've been through no matter how much stress and how many, the losses whatever no matter the number of times we've blown it god's call on our lives will never change the situations you go through yes it changes you but it doesn't change god's purpose and call on your life God has created you and designed you for a unique purpose that only you can fulfill. We got to determine in our hearts. We've got to determine in our hearts to pursue that. And we start by prioritizing God and making Him number one again. Like I said, life happens. Situation around us change us. But that never changes God's call on our lives. All we got to do is come back to Him and He renews and restores that calling. Upon our lives. I live my life. My second chance with gratitude. I live it with generosity. I'm determined to obey. And the fourth one again flows from the third one. My obedience is not delayed. My obedience is not delayed. Don't delay in your obedience. Don't delay in obeying what God tells you to do. Jonah obeys. He didn't delay this time. He didn't sit around and wait to catch his breath after being stuck in a whale or a fish, whatever. He went to Nineveh right away. One, part, one pastor put it this way. He hit the beach running. It was 500 and something miles if you think about it. Whatever the closest water. If he's going from Joppa, if he lands back in Joppa. It's quite a while. But he went straight. He did not delay in his obedience. Again, I'm not saying and suggesting go into something blindly just because you have a feeling. No, make a plan, pray about it, seek wise counsel, but don't delay in your obedience. Amen. When you get another chance, church, obey. Don't hang around and wait for everything to fall into place before you obey. Don't hang around. Let me put it this way. Don't hang around and wait for things to be perfect in your mind before you obey. Fight the urge to procrastinate. And be honest, I've been guilty of that several times, you know. Because I delay because I'm too nervous and too scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's the truth. We delay sometimes because we're scared what that next step was going to be. We know what God has called us to. We fear the unknown. Have the Ninevites changed? No. They hadn't changed from the first call to the third, chapter 1, to the call in chapter 3. They hadn't changed. They were still bloodthirsty people, if you want to call it that. Wicked people in the eyes of the Lord. Nothing had changed. But when God gave him a second chance, he obeyed immediately. And that's what we are to do too. When God calls us and when we're determined to obey, we can't delay. We obey God without delay. Stop going and go. I mean, I tell my kids all the time. Yes, I'm going, but they're still sitting on the couch. Okay, stop going and go. <laughs> Alyssa's serious at this time. She knows the truth. <laughs> and fight the urge to set up conditions. I know we love the fleece story. And, and again, I'm not saying don't be wise, but fight the urge to set up conditions. God, if you do this, 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 and then I'll go. Yes, in his grace and his mercy, he does it sometimes. But I'd rather just obey God instead of dragging my feet when I know what God wants me to do. Again, not being reckless, not being impulsive at all. You understand what I'm talking about. Don't delay in your obedience. Amen. And only you can really 
your prayer and planning. I hope it's really prayer and planning and not just an excuse for you to just sit around and do nothing. Only you can judge on that. Don't fall into the mindset, church. Only when it's convenient, then I'll serve. Only when it's convenient, then I'll be a witness or whatever. Obey God. Don't drag your feet. Don't use an excuse. Don't wait for the perfect, convenient time. When God has called you, be quick to obey. Don't delay. Don't delay. Don't put off what God has told you to do. Are there things in our lives that we are struggling with a little? When we know what God is calling us to do, are we just dragging our feet in things? The challenge is obey and obey without delaying. Fifth thing that I want to talk about here. When God gives me another chance, I'm going to live with profound gratitude. I'm going to live my life generously. I'm going to realign and make God my priority. I'm not going to delay in my obedience. And number five, I really am challenged by this. We need to be bold about our witness. We need to be bold about our witness. I realize this more and more and more. The time is short. And I need to step up in my witness. I need to step up in my witness. I've shared this numerous times, especially the past few years, that uh, I have I've become really bold in my witness. Because I realize, yes, time is short, but I also realize my time is short. We need to be bold about our witness. And if you look around and see the things happening in our lives and around in the world around us, there needs to be a sense of urgency when it comes to our witness. Hear me out, church. Accept your part in the Great Commission. God didn't save you just to live in your quiet corner, satisfied and content. You know, I've got my ticket to heaven and now let's just keep it safe. You know, I don't want to lose it. Nobody needs to know about it. It's not. We cannot live like that anymore. Please understand again, when God has called you, he saved us. He filled us with the Holy Spirit. And part of that infilling is what? To be witnesses into the world. Just This is fresh in my mind because I was talking to it with another pastor friend of mine, you know, and another a couple of young guys there. We sing that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? This is in our mind, like I said, because we've been talking about it. But we are so proud to let our light shine within the four walls of this church. We try and compete whose light is brighter. The point of the light is so that there is light in the darkness. If we are satisfied with the light shining bright within the four walls, we're kind of like, oh, you know where? And we were laughing about it because we want to go out, you know, this little light of mine. I won't let Satan blow it out. So what do we do? Cover it up outside, right? Because we don't want Satan to blow it out. The whole point of being a light is so that it shines in the darkness. That's the point of being a witness. Amen. We have to be bold about our witness church outside the four walls of this church. People who are in the dark need a light, whether they realize it or not. That's why we've got to be bold about a witness. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
he proclaimed what God had told him to say. Jonah, it says, another version, it says, uh, time Jonah immediately headed to Nineveh in obedience to the word of the Lord. Immediately. And if you read the next verse, it talks about Jonah warning the people. Jonah warned the people. Nineveh is, like I said earlier, probably the biggest city in the world back then, probably among the biggest cities around. Capital of this mighty Assyrian empire. Jonah goes there. It's about, again, like 550 miles, 500 something miles away. But after he goes there, what does he do? He essentially warns them of what is to come. I know the warning, we don't like warnings, but the truth is we are well aware of warning, warning signs. We have them all over the place. We have them in our cars. We have signs all posted all over the place. And we can kind of relate to the idea for warning. What does a warning do? It's essentially saying, hey, careful or stop. There's a danger ahead. There's a trap ahead. There's a problem. That's a warning. And actually, there's some really funny ones out there. I was looking at one, beware of dog. How many of you have seen that one? Beware of dog. But it's a picture of a dog lying on the ground. He sleeps wherever, so carefully you might trip and fall. <laughs> Another one that was really good is no trespassing. Violators will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. <laughs> Sorry, that's my violent side. But but we have warning signs all over the cells. I mean, the reason we have a fever is because there's something wrong, right? We need to pay attention to warning signs. We need to be careful, church. Here's the thing. Because sometimes we are not smart enough to listen to God. God sends people into our lives to warn us. And I am profoundly, extremely grateful to people who have been like that in my own life. I didn't like it to hear it. But God sends people across my life who've done exactly that. We may not like that part, church, but part of being a a witness is opening our mouths and saying something. Even if it's a warning. Again, I don't go around waving signs or a bumper sticker, turn and burn or whatever, turn or burn or anything like that. I don't scare people into heaven. I don't do things like that. I mean, I'm not talking about doing things like that, but challenge people. I have to tell them what's happening, guys. And we don't, we don't do this in arrogance or pride at all, church. We don't. We don't do this from a position of I'm better than you and I'm, you know, no. We do it with humility and love. Church, sharing the truth is the most loving thing you can do for people. It's not about just warning them about hell or whatever. But think about it. If I'm driving on a road and a few miles down the road, that bridge has been washed away, I'm grateful for the person who tells me and warns me about what's happening. Appreciate the warning. Share the truth, church. It's not only about warning them, but be vocal in your witness. Be vocal in your witness, church. But your attitude has to be different as you tell them the truth. Be bold in your witness. Be vocal. Again, don't, I'm not talking about holding a sign at the corner of the road, but use your words to witness as you witness to people. 
Use your words. God didn't tell Jonah, go to Nineveh now and live a good life and let them see your example and turn to me. I think sometimes we just assume that's all God wants from us sometimes. But I, I, I beseech you, <laughs> the time to stay silent is not now. We got to be vocal. We've got to share boldly what Christ has done for us. Be share boldly what Christ has done for the world. Be bold in sharing what Christ has done. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility. Live your life as a testimony for Christ. I'm not discounting that at all. But take advantage of every situation that comes across your life. Every opportunity to share your faith with people. Share your faith with people. Time is short. Like I said, my time is short and I'm not going to waste time. Share boldly. What God has done for you. And share with them what Christ has done for them as well. One of the portions of scriptures that. The Lord impressed on me when I was a. A young man trying to figure out. You know. My calling. My ministry. And. What I really wanted to do. Because. Coming from where I come from. Uh, being a pastor means something very different from what being a pastor means here in the West. I mean, there's no guarantees. And I remember a couple of people who were really close to me getting upset with me when I said I wanted to be a pastor. Because they were like, you just want to be a beggar your whole life. And I know what it meant. I was figuring it out, going through my mind what it meant. Because I have faced opposition. I've been threatened multiple times for my faith. I've been... People have been ready to beat me up. Thank goodness they picked my friend to get beaten up. They beat up, not me. <laughs> we laugh about it now. I think I told the story. We, we used to go out, you know, into these places, and we'd pick a, a four-way four stop, and one of us used to go to the left, one of us used to go to the right, you know. He went to the left, I went to the right. Guess what happened to him? I was like, you picked the wrong side today. But it was a very different call, church. I've been threatened. I've been, I mean, uh, the fastest sermon conclusion is when you get that note saying people are coming to rest. You know, like, okay, let's pray. Time to pray. Pray and get out from there. I ran. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to be arrested for the sake of the gospel and be another. I don't know. But when you know God's call on your life, how can you not be passionate enough to tell people about what you have? If necessary, warn them. And the passage of scripture, and I was in YWAM, I don't know where Cheryl, she knows what I'm talking about. The passage just came to me so hard. I was just sitting out. I was on the roof of, we have roofs and terraces which are open. And sitting there, and God just showed me Ezekiel as I was reading. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land, the people in the land choose one of, and then it says, choose one of their men and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their lives, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own heads. But if they heeded the warning, 
they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So the word I speak and give them, uh, give them warning from me. So hear the word I speak and give warning for them. When I say to the wicked, you wicked, you will surely die. You do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sins. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked people to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die for their sins, though you yourself will be saved. And again, it wasn't something, I don't say it in arrogance, I don't say it in pride at all, church. Yes, I was all emotional and passionate about it back then, but I'm emotional and passionate about it right now, that God has called us to be witnesses and to be vocal about salvation and that salvation in Christ and what Christ has done for us, but what he has done for the people around us. How can we be silent, church? When we know the truth, how can we be silent? Tell them what God has done for them. If they, then they have their own choice to make. They're accountable to God. But I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Amen. To be a watchman. Be vocal. Be vocal about your witness. Just wrap this up real quick here. Love this part. God works in the lives of the Ninevites when they respond to what Jonah said. Because Jonah was obedient to God's call, God used Jonah to bring salvation to that city. In spite of his faults, in spite of his failures, in spite of my faults, in spite of my failures, which are terrible, God can and will still use me if I'm willing to come to him and be obedient to him. Will I ever get it right all the time? I wish I do. It never happens. But in my heart, I have determined to make Christ Lord and to share that with everybody around us. Amen. If God used only perfect people to share the good news, I don't think anyone would qualify. He uses broken, imperfect people to share what he has done for the world. And that's the best part. You may think you are broken. You may think you have no use. And I've sat with young people across my desk who've done things and stuff. And they think that there's no good. God, God use me. Yes, he can. His call never changes. All you got to do is come to him and say, Lord, use me. And he will open doors like never before. You do what God has called you to do, and he will use you. The, don't, get, don't worry about what's going to happen, church. You don't worry about the results. It's in God's hands. You just be obedient to what he has told you to do. Amen. You are not going to change anybody's mind. You just be obedient and let the Holy Spirit do its work. Amen. What is God calling us to do, church? Has God given us second chances? I know he's given me second chances. Every day I wake up, I realize that's because of his grace and his mercy. I'm determined 
to live a life with thanksgiving, determined to live a life generously, determined to prioritize and make God number one and things about his kingdom number one in my life. I'm determined to share God boldly. And I know God will take whatever I say, whatever I do, and use it. As faulty as I am, he will use it for his glory and make something beautiful of my life. Bow your heads with me at this time. This message is nothing complicated. I kind of felt guilty about it because I'm just filling in a sermon before I start on Abraham that I've been working on for the past few months. Someone was asking me yesterday, is, what are you sharing on? And I was like, well, I don't know. It's, you know, I truly believe God is in the business of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Church, do you realize I'm so grateful that I woke up today because he's given me a chance to live for him again. It's not someone else's testimony, not Jonah's testimony. It's just lessons we learn, but it's so true in each and every one of our lives. If you have tasted and seen the goodness of God and so undeserving at times like I feel again I'm not worthy of it but the truth is he chooses us he calls us right from day one when he created us even before that he had his hand upon our lives and there was a call and a purpose to our lives and no matter the number of times we blow it or no matter the number of times that life crushes it when we come to Him, He renews and restores and gives us clarity to that purpose in our lives. All we really got to do is pursue Him. God, give us, Lord, a hunger and a thirst for You like never before, God. Create in each one of us, church. Determine in your heart develop that attitude of, of gratitude, that thanksgiving. God, I am so grateful that I woke up today, God. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the things I have around me. I'm so grateful for the gift of salvation itself, God. How can we not be grateful for all that He has done for us? I'm just grateful for who He is in control of every situation in my life. And because I'm grateful and I have this sense of gratitude, I become more and more generous. More and more generous with my time, with my talents, with my treasure.
determined to live a life in obedience to him and his word again not that i'm going to get it right every time but that's why he gives us grace that's why he gives us mercy determined to live in obedience to his word it may not be popular and it isn't anymore but determined in your heart to live in obedience and when it comes to it church don't delay in your obedience when you know what god has called you to do just get up and do it oh i'll wait for the perfect time to and yes we wait on god's time and i'm not saying that when it's convenient i'll serve when it's convenient i'll go be a witness when it's convenient i'll tithe when it's convenient whatever it's never going to be a convenient time god works on his timetable not yours just be obedient and don't delay in your obedience be bold church in your witness There is a price to pay for following Christ, but let me tell you it's totally worth it. But boldly share what Christ has done for you, what Christ has done for people. Pray about it and if if you need to be that warning light in someone's life, do it. But do it with humility. Do it in a spirit of love. not from a place of know it all and not from a place of arrogance not at all church but be vocal about your witness and know this this is the best part as flawed as i am and as sometimes even my message i may not have the right words to say it god uses that God uses that for his purpose and makes something beautiful out of it all. The pressure to be perfect was never placed on us. The requirement is to hunger and thirst after him.